When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Wildcast with Reese Monaco. Touchdown, Cowboys! Now, here is your host, Reese Monaco. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wildcast once again this week. And again, if you do have any questions or comments about the Wildcast or something that you'd like answered, please feel free. You can tweet me at rmonicoo or you can email me rmonico at kfbcradio.com. It's our pleasure to bring this uh, Wildcast to you once again for another week. Joining us this week on the Wildcast, well, a longtime fixture in Sheridan Broadcasting and uh, Sheridan Media. Trevor Jackson is with us this week. Trevor, certainly is a pleasure having you step on board and talking with us uh, this week on the Wildcast. Trevor recently recognized for 30 years of service behind the mic as the voice of the Sheridan Bronx. And Trevor, that's uh, either a testament to how good you are or just how old you're getting, man. But uh, congratulations on 30 years in Sheridan. Hey, Reese, thank you very much. Thank you, and say hello to everybody out there. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, so 30 years there, Trevor. When you uh, you left uh, Montana and ended up uh, in Sheridan, did you think 30 years later you'd still be hanging out as the voice of the Bronx? Absolutely not. You know, I had a little stopover in Douglas before. Mm-hmm. So I was in the land of the Bearcats for a couple years and then ended up in Sheridan. What happened was you marry a local girl, and then guess what? <laughs> You go where the local girl goes. And the local girl ain't moving. <laughs> so it was her and her cat. Yeah, her and her cat. Did, yeah, uh, but her and her cat, and then I was hooked. And 30 years, yeah, th- this was my 30th year of Bronx football. It kind of stuck up on me. But, you know, I knew it was coming because now there are players I remember, because I wasn't that much older than the players when I first got here, that now have kids playing. And uh, so that's when I knew officially I had become old when there were former players and other kids around the varsity team. Well, I tell you what, Sheridan has uh, got a nice little presence on the Cowboys uh, this year. Uh, Blaine Baker, uh, he's, I think, obviously redshirting. Dante Crow, Riley Sessions, and then uh, Parker Christensen has uh, committed to play for the Cowboys as well. And, you know, it's great to see that this coaching staff, Trevor, and these uh, Coach Bowl is going after Wyoming guys. I know for a time there, there were people across the state and in particular up in Sheridan, where they didn't feel that that was the case, was it? You know, for a long time, I think that some kids, 
I think the obvious players were getting a shot. Some of the other guys maybe that were borderline that maybe just needed a chance and, you know, weren't getting that look. And I think that uh, the first day I met Craig Bull in person and his message was, look, I am going to look at Wyoming kids first. And he has gone through that uh, whole scenario. It doesn't matter where at in the state. And just look at the roster now. Look at Logan Wilson. My goodness, Reese. What uh, an athlete and what an asset to uh, the football program. That kid's been from Casper. Yeah, I, I was talking to him one time, and I, you can probably attest to this as well. Um, I remember Logan Wilson as a kicker for Casper and Detroit, Trevor. I never in my wildest dreams envisioned that he would be a 230-pound middle linebacker for the Cowboys. Well, I wouldn't have envisioned. I saw him you know, a few weeks ago. It was in Laramie for the Washington State game, and I saw him come out on the field. And uh, without his pads on, I could not believe the size of this skinny little kid when he was a senior. <laughs> Amazing. It is. Absolutely incredible. Tell us a little bit about Parker Christensen. I know, uh, you know he's uh, putting up some big numbers for the Sheridan Bronx this year, and uh, he's just uh, he's committed to play for the Cowboys. Uh, tell, tell the Wyoming fans a little bit about uh, this, uh, this young man, Parker Christensen. You know, you always start off talking about the kid himself. He is... You know, it sounds cliche, Reese, but it's really true. He is one of the nicest young men you'd ever want to meet. And, I mean, if you had a daughter, you would want this kid to be taking her to the prom. I mean, he's really a nice, nice young man, and he is just, uh, you know, gifted with so much uh, natural ability, to, and he's so athletic playing uh, football because he's a you know, very good basketball player, but he brings that set of tools that I don't know, and, and the coaching staff in Wyoming knows probably, what do you do with him? Where do you put him? He's that versatile. It'll be interesting to see. He's got really he's he's a linebacker. He could be a defensive end. He's got the best hands on the team as far as catching the football. And of course, as a running back, he's just a uh, uh, really a weapon. Just uh, you know, he's one of those guys you wouldn't want to stand in front of to have to tackle him if he was coming at you. Where do you think he would be best served playing for the Cowboys? You know, I'm not a football coach, but you know, I mean, a, a big athletic tight end that's kind of a slash wide receiver he's got he's got moves he's got speed and i think that you know he's six two six three ish you know 215 220 right now um but you know linebacker i mean boy i i just think with his set of hands he catches everything it's just amazing and i just think uh a tight end would be just awesome, but a, a guy you could probably split out a little bit too. Yeah, we're visiting with uh, Trevor Jackson from his Sheridan Media, been up there with the Bronx for 30 years, the voice of uh, Sheridan High School Sports. And Trevor, uh, Cowboys off to a 2-3 and three start. And uh, I've done, said on this podcast before, along with Kevin McKinney, when the, the Cowboys 2-2 two and two heading into the bye week and then getting ready to open up with Boise State, it's it was it was a frustrating two and two start, but if you ask most people, two and two was probably where they would say the Cowboys would be. But it just it didn't seem like Cowboy fans uh, or me, maybe you, were satisfied with how they got to that two and two mark. It was just it was frustrating, and then plus uh, you know having to beat Wofford in the last second. I mean, how about you? Uh, how the Cowboys got off to that two and two start? Was it as frustrating for you as it was maybe for everybody else? I think I was exasperated at the Wofford game because I was waiting for the team maybe to light somebody up offensively and put some numbers up. And, I, and you know, okay, Missouri on the road, Washington State, those are two big programs. You know, how's that going to be? You know, maybe the defense holds them in there. I think 
my problem is, and I keep t- reminding myself that there's a hangover from the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and Josh Allen, who now uh, has taken snaps in the NFL, maybe a little bit of a hangover from that. And I think our expectations were they were just going to pick up where they left off, you know, with the scoring and everything, the way the season ended. And I just think it's, you know, it's different guys now. It's uh, uh, maybe a quarterback and some other players that need to grow into their uh, college career a little bit, and maybe we're just not patient enough. But, you know, on the other hand, I think it's kind of funny, too, that, you know, for years it was like we were used to mediocrity and, you know, losing seasons. And maybe every once in a while you go 6-6 six and six and get a, you know, one of those I don't toilet bowl bowl games like the Arizona Bowl. You know, I really could care about that or New Mexico Bowl or whatever it was called. Big deal. Um, but all of a sudden, you go eight and five. You have the big wins against Boise and San and San Diego State. And you're playing BYU in a bowl game, and and then you get your quarterback's going to be drafted as a big time quarterback in the NFL. And there was all this excitement swirling, and all of a sudden, we're just kind of sputtering a little bit right now. So maybe just need to be a little bit more patient. Yeah, patience is the key. But the thing about it is that, you know, while the offense was trying to get its legs under Trevor, you would think that, you know, with all the players coming back and all the hype and all the numbers with that Cowboy defense, that they would be, uh, you know, able to keep the Cowboys in games. Now, the two games that they've won, yes, the Cowboy defense was able to do that while the offense found their legs. But, uh, you know, against uh, Missouri, against Washington State, and even against Boise State, the Cowboy defense, yeah, they are on the field a lot because the Cowboy offense offense is uh, is really not clicking and uh, getting first downs but on the flip side of that the cowboy defense not getting off the field on third downs you know they get off the field on third downs a couple more times maybe that offense has a couple more times to pick up some first downs and get things rolling i i think i'm more frustrated right now maybe with how the cowboy defense and the and the guys that were expected to be making the plays the uh, the grandersons the gaffons uh, you know they're just not getting the pressure up front and the cowboy defense uh, you know i know the offense is leaning on the cowboy defense to keep them in games until they get their uh, legs under them but defensively I, the cowboys i think they still have a lot to to answer for and and a lot of work to do i think i've had that conversation here lately with a few people saying you know have they are they reading too much into who's going to be drafted in the NFL or what? Because Carl Granderson's been like the invisible man. Where is the Carl Granderson that would just absolutely be a nightmare for these teams to play against? You know, so I don't. I think there's certain. Yes, the defense is very good, and you're going to get everything every game from uh, Wingard, and and you know what he's going to bring. And but I think maybe they just need to. Uh, uh, you know, maybe button it up a little bit more. They they need to start getting after people because, look, I mean, I listen to the games, I watch the games. You hardly hear any of the defensive front name get called. Yeah, aside from that New Mexico State game when yeah. they just absolutely swarmed that offensive front for New Mexico State, the uh, the other offensive lines have been doing a, a very good job against that Cowboy defensive front, and they know it. I, I've talked to a, a couple of the guys, Trevor. They know that they're not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing, so it's going to be interesting to see when they come here on the road. That, that Boise State game, was fr- that first half of the Boise State game, that's as frustrating as game as I've watched for the Cowboys in the the last three years it just offense couldn't get anything going and the defense was just on its heels and then you know you had the the taunting call on the first drive it just started off bad and just didn't get any better you know and i think you know it's just that i think it, it maybe and i think 
Craig Bull's the type of coach who'll rally the, you know, that old saying, circle the wagons. They really need to start thinking about that because you go to Hawaii now, and that's just a brutal trip for I don't care if Hawaii's good or if Hawaii stinks. That's a tough trip for anyone in the country to make. And now you start looking, you're going to start running out of season pretty soon and going to start running out of victories. Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, this stretch that the Cowboys are in is going to be brutal. You, you mentioned the Hawaii game. Then you have Utah State. you got to go to Fresno State in there. And then you mix CSU in, your border war rivals on the road. This is a stretch that is uh, going to be very critical for the Cowboys, and that offense needs to get on track. Now, there's been some highlights. I think Nico Evans has been a highlight for the Cowboys offensively. When he wasn't in the game, he was injured those two games. You could see that their rushing attack was lacking, not taking nothing away from Javon uh, Bigelow and uh, you know Xavier Valaday. I thought they did uh, good jobs while they were filling in there. But Nico Evans, uh, offensively to this point, I, he's been the bright spot for me. I don't know about you. Definitely, I think that just good things to come from him. You know, and I, you just you know, it's, we're, sports is so fickle, Reese. It's that what have you done for me lately thing, and and you know we all want it right now. We, you know, this whole thing about being patient. I know we need to be patient a little bit with this group, but, man, it's just not in our human nature these days to be patient with anything. We want results now. Yeah, patience is especially you know, we, with... We want it now. Yeah, you know? it, I, it, 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 I'll, I'll use the example. Sheridan High School loses two games. They were on a 20-game winning streak. They lose two games, and it's an entire new group this year for the most part. And I'm not kidding you. The people here were wondering what the heck was going on. And the fact that they'd lost two games against two pretty good teams, you know, and people were just having a fit in Sheridan. Well, now that they, they've kind of righted the ship a little bit, now they're playing quite a bit better now. But, man, fans are tough. They are. It doesn't matter if it's a high school, college, or, or professional, for that matter. They are tough. I, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've gone up to Sheridan with high school teams, whether you know here in Cheyenne or when I was helping Mike Chisholm out in Laramie when I was going to college. And we came out of there, Trevor, with just some butt kickings. I don't know if I've ever left Sheridan with a win, to be brutally honest with you. Well, you know, you know the thing is, it's amazing how this little school, because it's one of the smaller schools that always has been in the league for you know decades, just year in and year out, just hangs in there with everybody. And, and uh, you know, I can, you, you still have to have athletes and players that, you know, can get the ball in the end zone and do all that kind of stuff and play defense and special teams. But there's just something that Don Julian brought in 11 years ago, and it's carried over to this group that they have now. There's just something, I don't know what it, I can't really put my finger on it. It's just, uh, it's the system, it's the, the program itself is just incredible. And, you know, I can almost, you know, after they lost two in a row, I told people, I said, don't be surprised if they run the table and get into the playoffs, you know, so... We'll just see how it kind of goes. Well, it's it's the buy-in, isn't that what the coaches call it? They got they have a program, and uh, the players are buying into what is uh, being done up there, and uh, that's the thing. Whether it's high school, collegiate, I mean, you can talk uh, to Craig Bull as well. You know, you've got he recruits guys that he believes going to buy in to the system and buy in to what they're trying to accomplish at the University of Wyoming. If you don't have guys that are willing to buy in to what's going on. You know, you're going to struggle. Uh, you might have more talent. You might have a lot of talent. But if that buy-in isn't there, uh, you're not going to be successful. You know, and it's, 
it's not about individuals, I can tell you that. And Reese, if you interviewed each kid that's on the Sheridan High School roster, if I just brought them to you one after another, they would all probably say just about the same thing. Really? Every interview. They, they have bought in so much to what the coaches have done that it's, you know, it's not about them. I, I know a couple years ago uh, when Sheridan's been on this three-year run of state championships and they had two really good running backs a couple years ago, and I found out when, when they would make a play call, do you know that the running backs on the field decide who's going to carry the ball every time? Really? Yeah. You're kidding play me. is not called. So when, when Parker Christian's in out there right now with other running backs, and sometimes there'll be two, sometimes there'll be three guys with him, they, are, they decide on the field who's going to run the ball. That it's is incredible. I've never heard of that before. Neither it's have I. been like that for years. And it was one of those things I didn't even know until they told me, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. And they said, no, that's the way it is. Now, if they need a specific play, obviously the coaches would call that. But 90% of the time, the players in the, in the running game are deciding who's going to run the ball every time. It's amazing. That is amazing. You mentioned Don Julian. Uh, how's he doing? Have you had a chance to catch up with him, touch bases with Don since he stepped down? Oh, a lot, a lot. Been, uh, he's, he's not done it every game, but I've seen him up and down the road several times. And uh, He's now, instead of being the proud papa, he's kind of the proud grandpa now of the program. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He can kind of sit back and watch it kind of develop in front of him, and uh, it's in really good hands with the coaching staff. Look, it's the same coaching staff that he had uh, with one extra guy this year, uh, so he can just kind of sit back, and these guys have uh, taken the reins, and it's just, uh, you know what, it's Bronx football from the last 11 years and just continues. Yeah, he's one of the good guys in the business. There's no question about that. Hey, Trevor, I certainly appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day visiting with us, talking uh, some Sheridan Bronx and uh, some Wyoming Cowboys. And that's one thing I, you know, we used to do a thing on uh, the our, the Cowboy Sports Network during the broadcast called the Media Roundtable. That ended. I kind of like that because we got to go around the state and get your guys' take on the Cowboys and the game and what you thought, but that came to a close. So what's one of the things that I want to do here? Here on the Wildcast is get the uh, media members, the sports guys from around the state on this Wildcast and just get their thoughts about what's going on with Cowboy football and their respective uh, high school teams and just their ideas. So, uh, again, I certainly do appreciate you taking some time and uh, visiting with us today. Reese, I love it. Anytime, my friend. And, again, there's nothing more special than being in Laramie and seeing Wyoming kids on that roster. I got to you know, visit with Dante Curl on the field before the Washington State game in his full Cowboy gear awesome and we see these Wyoming kids down there no matter what school they go to i just absolutely love seeing our guys did you know dante crow could punt well he could do well he's a great soccer player oh okay because uh, you know with uh, the wyoming punter going down uh zaleski going down with uh, an apparent knee injury uh you know they do have uh, the uh, a guy that they're going to put in there but they also had some guys at practice just stand back and punt to tyree mayfield and uh, dante crow apparently had the best day punting out of uh, out of everybody that was there so i don't know if we will ever see dante crow or tyree mayfield punt but in an emergency you know what if you got to snap the ball to a dante crow he can make a lot of things happen if he's he not going to kick the ball happen yeah all, all state soccer players so he can kick it we know that yeah trevor thanks for joining us have a great time have a good weekend man thanks, thanks Reese. you bet as Trevor Jackson from sheridan media sure they certainly do appreciate him joining us today on the wildcast thank you very much 
Trevor Jackson from Sheridan Media. Always a pleasure to visit with a longtime friend and a broadcaster, Trevor Jackson. Been up there doing it for 30 years as uh, the voice of the Bronx. And, you know, the people of Wyoming, I, some people in Wyoming listening to this, some people that might not live in the state of Wyoming listening to this, some people that might have grown up in the state and uh, then have moved away that, uh, you know, each and every Friday, uh, Saturday, or whatever it may be, where their high school football teams or basketball teams are on the air, um, you know, you should feel pretty fortunate that you, there are so many good quality sportscasters around the state of Wyoming. Uh, you go to a lot of other states, and you know what? You don't even sometimes get high school coverage or high school play-by-play. Uh, and uh, the state of Wyoming is uh, very, very fortunate to not only have the number of quality sportscasters that uh, are in the state and their respective cities, but also to have the support of the local radio stations that uh, want to give up their airtime for local sports, for the kids to broadcast high school football, basketball. I know some doing volleyball, soccer. They can do whatever they can to to get the message out and to give those kids the publicity in the state of Wyoming uh, is second to none when it comes to that. You know, it's uh, uh, 500,000 people, 600,000 people. They say it's just uh, one really big community with really long roads and uh, the state's uh, broadcasters and the state sportscasters certainly do a good job of bridging that gap of those uh, long roads and those long drives for fans and parents that can't seem to make the trip if something gets in the way and make that six, seven-hour drive to bring that game back to their local places. Just absolutely outstanding. In the state of Wyoming, I believe truly blessed with a, a lot of local high school sportscasters that are just absolutely incredible at their craft and their trade. And Trevor is a prime example of that up in Sheridan. Been doing it for 30 years and He's, uh, well, some people might call him a treasure up there. Some people might call him something else. I guess it just depends on what mood they're in. But uh, certainly do appreciate Trevor joining us today on the Wildcast, talking some Cowboy football in some Sheridan Bronx and talking about Cowboy football. Wow, that game against Boise State. I know we really didn't get into it too much, uh, just kind of hit it on the fringes. But that was a game where the first half was as, uh, you know, frustrating as it possibly could be offensively for the Cowboys and uh, you know the defense was out on the field once again an awful lot and the Cowboy coach uh, Craig Bull certainly talking about that and addressing that and he talked to the media a little bit on Monday during his media Monday here's some of his comments uh, just initially about the Cowboys and their game against the Boise State and looking forward to Hawaii. I complimented Boise State uh in watching the game tape, I, I think that may be the best Boise team that we played since I've been our head coach maybe the first year. They might have been as talented. I know they won the Fiesta Bowl that year. Uh, certainly, uh, I thought Rippon played really well. There are certainly things that we should have done better, uh, but he was in a groove, and they've got a good running attack, and they're good on defense. Uh, you know, the, uh, the muff punt and the block punt certainly did not – help at all so it was a kind of a a whole calamity of a lot of things that uh, we've got to get corrected before we play a really good Hawaii team this next week I do think we'll be without our punter we'll find out a little bit more as the week goes along but that's going to be a challenge for us uh, right there Uh, so um, 
you know, guys bounce back. We did practice yesterday. Typically, we don't practice on Sunday, but we, we're going to have a little bit of a change of schedule. So I thought our guys had a good attitude. And the best thing I know, and our players know, when you get started on your opponents, correct the things that you need to correct and quit looking in the rearview mirror and look forward. I know that we're 2-3 and three right now, and uh, we're playing a 5-1 and one Hawaii team over there who typically plays really well on the island. And Coach Rolovich has done a good job. And so... Uh, you know, uh, moving on to Hawaii, I think, first of all, they're putting up some uh, ter- terrific numbers offensively. Uh, McDonald, their quarterback, uh, you know, a big, tall, angular guy, puts the ball where it needs to be. He's completing, oh, gosh, I think close to 70% of his passes. A great uh, touchdown to interception ratio, 24 to 2. So they've got a good system there. They've got some capable wide receivers, and they can run the football defensively. You know, they're really solid. They they play great technique, and they run around. And so, uh, you know, a big challenge for us, but a great opportunity. That's Craig Bull talking a little bit about uh, the Cowboys game against Boise State and uh, looking forward to the trip to Hawaii that also poses so many problems. We'll talk a little bit about that here in uh, just a minute. But the Cowboys uh, heading into the game against Hawaii, their punting situation is uh, certainly uh, going to change. Trevor and I talked a little bit about that with uh, you know Tyree Mayfield and Dante Crow doing some punting. Um, the punter, Tim Zaleski, uh, injuring himself, uh, going down after chasing a punt. I know he had a punt blocked. And I was watching him warm up during the halftime of the Boise State game, and you could tell he was really favoring his kicking leg. And then after one of the punts, he was going down on punt coverage, got hit, and kind of got spun and went down, and they had to take him off the field. So uh, his uh, status is up in the air. So what that does is it throws the whole punting game up into the air. Now, I'm going to say that uh, if you would ask Coach Bull, if you would probably ask uh, Zaleski himself, he probably wasn't satisfied with how he was punting uh, the ball through the first five games uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, his average, not where he wanted it to be. And, uh, you know, we saw Ryan Agalovich, who is listed on the depth chart now as the punter for the Hawaii game. He went in and, you know, he just kind of got thrust into the mix and uh, didn't necessarily have a... a outstanding kick in his one attempt so hopefully he will turn this around and be able to kick the ball just a little bit better for the Cowboys when they're punting but you know what the best thing that could happen for the Cowboys is you know nothing against Ryan Galovich and his ability to punt the football but the best thing that could happen for the Cowboys is for the offense to stay out on the field and move the ball up and down the field and uh, put it in the end zone or maybe just get in a position so Cooper Roth can kick a field goal and uh, Ryan Galovich would have to see limited time. I mean, when you look at the Cowboys uh, in the game against Boise State, they were 2 of 11 on third down. So not convincing third downs because some of those are third and long situations because they get themselves uh, backed up a little bit after uh, you know first and second down. So the punting situation is certainly going to be interesting for the Cowboys going into the Hawaii game. Will they go for it on fourth down now? If it's a near midfield and maybe fourth and one, will they take their chance and go for it? Or are they putting full trust in uh, Ryan Galovich as the punter, the junior from Corvallis, Oregon, who uh, transferred in? So the punting situation for the Cowboys is certainly going to be a little bit off kilter. Now, the Hawaii game in itself is just a change of pace. Normally, the Cowboys would not practice on Sunday. They would have that off. They practiced on Sunday because they're leaving on Thursday to go to Hawaii. So you got to try to get in your full week of practices. So 
kind of change things up just a little bit there, putting the Cowboys' clocks off just a little bit. And speaking of clocks, you know, it's the trip to Hawaii. So, you know, you're going to be kicking the game off at, what, 6 o'clock Hawaii time, which is 10 o'clock Mountain Time. So hopefully the Cowboys will be able to get out there and get their game, their their body clocks, uh, you know, adjusted and be able to go for such a late kickoff. I mean, it just changes everything as far as, you know, time and prep and things like that, thinking you're still back in the Mountain Time zone when you're out in Hawaii, and it's uh, four hours earlier. It also opposes just logistical problems for the Cowboys of uh, getting equipment out there and getting everything that they need to compete in a football game over to the islands because normally the Cowboys put everything in a semi and uh, they truck it to the site that they need to go. That can't happen this time. I did have a chance to speak with uh, J.D. Jordan. He's the new equipment manager for Cowboy football, and uh, J.D. uh, talked to us a little bit about the logistics of uh, moving all of that equipment to the Hawaiian Islands. J.D., Cowboys playing in Hawaii. You know, obviously that poses some challenges and getting everything over there. I guess let's just, first of all, let's just talk about usually what it takes to move this team, that equipment, uh, to wherever it is going. So what does it take? Uh, typical road games, our semi will leave Thursday after practice. So we have an 18-wheeler out of uh, Cheyenne. It's a moving company. Aero Moving and Storage does a great job for us. We get two drivers every trip, so they will drive tandem. So one will sleep, one will drive, and they'll rotate. So we get stuff there in a timely manner. Uh, they get to the hotel first. They'll drop off everything that uh, the trainers, video, anybody needs for the hotel, and then they'll take all of my stuff to the stadium. We'll uh, usually fly with the team, and then we'll meet the semi at the stadium, unload everything, get the locker room set up on a Friday for a Saturday game, and then after the game, you know, tear it all down, uh, put it back in the semi, and they bring it back. So a trip to Hawaii, obviously that poses some challenges. You can't drive all the way there. Uh, I know in the past they put it on a boat and shipped it before. How's that? How's it going to work this time? Uh, so we're using a contract company that's going to send a truck up here. We'll load the truck Tuesday night after practice, and uh, they will truck it down to Denver International, put it on a United flight as United uh, Air Cargo. It'll go Denver to Honolulu. I'm flying with our DFO, Brent Vernon. Uh, we'll get it in, I think, Wednesday about 2 o'clock local time in Hawaii. Um, I'll pick up our shipment 8 a.m. Thursday morning, and uh, we'll go to the stadium, or I'll go to the stadium. BV will uh, do his normal prep stuff, and I'll go unload everything. Um, I got a truck Gatorade from the hotel to the stadium with our cargo van and then pick up some stuff that we can't ship into Hawaii. And then Friday we're going to practice. Saturday we'll play the game. And then we'll get our stuff back about Monday night, Tuesday morning. So we're flying stuff on the team charter, which is a little unusual for us. Um, But some of the stuff we need for practices that won't make it because of the shipment times, we're going to send with the team direct. How nerve-wracking is it to to try to have all these moving parts all to come together at the same time? I wouldn't say it's nerve-wracking. It's more about preparation and organization and and just being prepared for it. Um, I got here four days before camp started in August, and the Hawaii trip has been circled on my calendar since uh, the day I accepted the job. So I've been coordinating very closely with Brent Vernon, and uh, the third-party company that we're using since it's a new company. Um, and we're just uh, we're working through everything. I've got a 1,000 lists, and we just go through checkoff sheets. When a trunk is done, I zip tie it shut, so I know it's done. We put a tag on it so we know it's good to go, and we move on to the next one. So we'll take about 10,000 pounds worth of stuff via air cargo 
and uh, it's just a uh, it's just a different kind of logistics. <laughs> if everything's being packed up and shipped out on Tuesday, I mean, does that mean everything has got backups? These teams just practice in shells. I mean, what are they practicing with here for the next couple of days? If you're packing everything up and shipping it out on Tuesday, uh, so we altered our practice schedule because of the travel time. So we actually practiced on Sunday this week, which means our shoulder pads can go air cargo because we typically wear spiders on uh, the Thursday practice, which will now be a Wednesday. Um, we're going to fly the helmets with the team, so that's some of the stuff that we typically would put in the truck, and now it's going to go with the team so that they have helmets to practice in. And then coming back, uh, <laughs> we have Fresno away, so Monday we'll practice in helmets and shells um, instead of shoulder pads like we normally do. So that'll be a normal practice. And then Friday or Thursday, the truck is leaving before practice, so we'll do the same thing for Fresno where we fly the helmets. So the players shouldn't really ever notice that we're doing things different. Obviously, they know it's a different trip just because of the extra travel day and all the other stuff and the, the prep work that they've seen us put in and ensuring that they have everything that they need for practice and then another set for games, which is something that um, I don't know if they had here in the past, uh, but the way that I've run our equipment operations, we always try and have a set of practice stuff and a set of game stuff other than helmets and shoulder pads. So the protective equipment is a singular unit, but everything else is a duplicate. So they've got extra cleats and extra shorts and extra compression shorts and all that stuff. We're actually traveling a whole uh, outfit for them for the walkthrough on Friday so that they have their normal practice stuff here. And then when they get to Hawaii, it's a brand new set of stuff that we've held back from their normal stuff so that we don't have to worry about them bringing something we just ship it it's there we put it out they walk in they put their cleats on they put the new outfit on they put their helmet on we go practice it's just like normal you might be about the only guy that goes to hawaii that might not have a good time yeah it's uh it's definitely a business trip it's, it's not sightseeing it'll uh it'll be interesting it'll be my first time in hawaii so um i get a little bit of time to adjust on wednesday and then we hit the ground running 8 a.m thursday morning now talk you, where'd you where'd you come from i mean this is your first year here you said you got here just a couple weeks before camp started uh, you know where'd you come from and why'd you pick wyoming uh, so I was the head football guy at the University of Akron prior to this, um, was there for four years, and uh, this was just an opportunity to move up um, in, in my career, in my profession. Um, it gave me an opportunity to focus on football where I don't have other Olympic sport responsibilities right now. Um, obviously, we look to build, in, or I look to build within my career to, to get higher, but for right now it's nice to be with a football team. The coaches and players have been awesome, and uh, I've had a really great time working with everybody here. The, the culture that Coach Bull has and the coaches have established has been fantastic to just walk in the door and um, mesh the, the, the information that I have and the things that I know and how I'm used to doing things with his expectations out of what our operations are, and um, I think he and I work very well together. He's definitely a traditional coach, and uh, I'm very adaptable to whatever he throws at me. We, we roll with it, and, and my crew of student managers has done a fantastic job with um, getting me acclimated to what they've done in years past, how I do things, and kind of meshing all three perspectives together. What's a game day like for you guys? Um, we try and show up about seven hours before kickoff. Um, if it's a home game, I'll show up eight. My students will get in seven hours prior to kick. And uh, we'll set up coaches' locker rooms, uh, staff locker room. We'll set up for docs and sports med. We put out all of their game day items, so their clothes and gum and soda and anything that they, the, the peripheral stuff that they may want, use, need, whatever. Um, we make sure that there's pens, pencils, paper, dry erase, all that fun stuff that um, the average person may not think that we <laughs> we put out. But if, if there's something that they can ask me for, I try to have it on hand and have it uh, readily available for them. And then uh, we'll obviously set out all the stuff for players. 
we go through, we do our double checks, we make sure that everybody has everything that they need, and then when the team shows up, half my staff goes outside so that when players are out there um, getting loose initially that we have guys there to give them footballs, shag, whatever they need to do if they want to throw with them, um, and then I'll stay inside and anything that they might want to switch or um, things that they, hey, you know, I need a new pair of gloves. These don't have as much stick as I want. Okay, we've got trunks with all backups of everything. So my the name of the, my game is duplication. So everything that they have, we bring extra of. If there's rain, we have rain gloves with leather palms. We have hand warmers with chamois cloths in them. Um, it's just being ready for any situation at any time. I've had games where um, last year at Akron, we played at Western Michigan. We had to stay an extra day. So, you know, you don't <laughs> – those aren't fun games for us, but – if you're ready for it, if you prepare, if you're organized, it's not a problem. So, I mean, in that situation, we just – we did the game day twice. They went out and warmed up. We had a delay. The field flooded. Our locker room flooded. I had to move everything out of our locker room into their basketball arena. I, sl- I didn't sleep that night. I stayed up. I washed all the laundry. We put it all out brand new. And uh, when the team walked in, you know, our head coach there told me, he's like, my goal for you is that the kids walk in and it looks the exact same as it did today. I said, okay, you know, 12 hours later it was the same. But um, it, it's it's always an adventure, and uh, I've had fun with this. The, yeah. the Mountain West is definitely a different deal than the MAC. We were driving distance for almost every game, so – you know, we'd have administration coming on the day of the game instead of flying with us. And uh, we had situations where, like, kids would text people and have them drive stuff to them, you know, just because they, you know, oh, I didn't have my lucky whatever. They forgot to pack it. And here it's you don't have that option. It's you better be spot on with making sure that they have everything that they need and um, really just getting them to trust me, you know, coming in the door and them not really knowing my personality and who I am and how I handle stuff. It's been establishing trust with the players and coaches that, yeah, I'm going to have the stuff that they need there and that we're going to be prepared and ready for them. you got to kind of read these guys' minds, the coaches' minds as well, don't you? Yeah, there's a, so there's a couple former equipment guys out there that told me that uh, we wear lots of hats. Some of them are psychologists. Some of them are uh, fortune tellers. Some of them are weathermen. And, uh, you know, we, we try and do the best we can with everything that we have. And I've got a great crew of students that backs me up. So we get to take six kids to every game, and it's part reward, part, hey, you're the, you're the best I got. We're going to go out there and um, – the expectations that I have for my guys are high because they've shown me what they can do. JD, talk about, the, I mean, six guys, your student manager. I mean, obviously you couldn't do this without those guys. Uh, you know, how did they get into this position? Yeah, I absolutely could not do this job without them. I mean, I got here, they started my third day, I think, is when they got here, and we hit the ground running. I mean, they, they walked in the door, and I was like, hey, where is this, where is that, where is this? And they were like, hey, okay, here's where this is, here's how we did this, and um, we just went right to work. And obviously with the apparel change from Nike to Adidas, it's a whole other wrench in, <laughs> in, you know, in starting. And, you know, we played week zero, so camp started early. We play away on the road week zero. We got a new apparel provider, and just me coming in late, it just <laughs> it was a perfect storm of, you know, let's get going. And, and um a lot of the guys, either their dads used to work for Mad Dog, who's still here. Um, he's been here, I think, 30, 40 years. Um, he's an icon at Wyoming, and he's been great in welcoming me in and um, just laying the groundwork for me. So questions that I had about, you know, how the room works, the washers, the issue cubbies, you know, he designed the whole room, and I'm able to lean on him with a lot of that background information that I don't have to go figure it out or call a vendor or whatever. He just, hey, here's how this works. Hey, here's, you know, I'll go get the shipping. Here's mm-hmm. here's what you need to do for this. Here's who letters the stuff in town. Here's here's this person. Hey, this is facilities, you know, person. This is the guy that does this. You know, this is the IT guy. He takes care of this. And he's been integral um, 
but a lot of the student managers, their parents work for him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, you have people, their, their parents are season ticket holders. They come to games. I've met, got to meet a lot of them. And, you know, they, it's just a family thing at this point where, you know, we friends of those guys work for us now that they knew him from high school or whatever. And then, you know, we have guys that they've got brothers, they've got dads, they've got uncles that have all done this. And it's just kind of a really cool thing here where there's a culture of our student managers are – you know, generations deep where their dad's telling them about going to the Copper Bowl. And, um, you know, they're excited. They, they love this place, and they take a lot of pride in what they do. I mean, they decal the helmets. They put the jerseys on shoulder pads. They they tape them up. They, they Velcro them. They do all the stuff that needs to be done that makes the team look like the University of Wyoming football team. Plus, you have to deal with a couple of radio guys at the end of every game just to add to your stress level a little bit. J.D., pleasure visiting with you. You're doing a great job so far. I guess the best compliment you could get is that people aren't talking about you, right? That means everything is in place and everything's done, right? Yeah, I was a little nervous about having a media appearance because uh, if uh, if you're getting recognized by the media, typically it's a bad thing. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, this wasn't a hey, you messed up. We want to want you to answer to what happened. It's a uh, hey, how is this going to work for us going forward? So uh, greatly appreciate it, and you're more than welcome to ride in the van anytime you want. All right, thanks, JD. That's J.D. Jordan, the Cowboys' uh, first-year equipment manager for football. A pleasure visiting with uh, J.D., such a decent guy, such a good guy. Really, really liked uh, talking to him. So uh, J.D. and uh, B.V., uh, Brett Vernon, the Cowboys' assistant athletics director for football operations, uh, going out early, making sure that everything is in place and everything is good to go for the Cowboys on their trip to Hawaii. Now, Trevor and I also talked a little bit about the Cowboys' defensive line and what was going on and we also talked a little bit to to Nico Evans as well now the Cowboys uh, defensive line I don't think you could say that they are probably performing the way that they want to perform. I uh, did have a chance, uh, the, kind of a dual interview here with uh, on Media Monday. Had a chance to talk with uh, Sydney Malaulu, who is uh, uh, you know heading back that direction. Sydney's a great guy, playing with a cast on his hand, had a big club on it. Uh, he's listed number two on the depth chart and nose tackles this week, and also had a chance to visit with uh, Nico Evans, the Cowboys starting running back as well. I got the chance to talk to both those guys, kind of at the same time they were roommates at one point and it certainly was interesting to talk to Sydney and Nico Evans first of all let's just talk about uh, your hand here I mean uh, you had a big club on a couple weeks ago we saw here at media day and you it was something that uh, nobody really knew about what is what's going on with the hand you got a cat got it in the cast today. Uh, I, I messed it up against uh, Washington State and uh, I just got surgery last week so uh, so I just wanted to cast me up and stuff, so it's precautionary stuff. It's nothing big. Nothing big. Well, we got Nico here too. We might as well. Oh, just it's do pretty it. big. We, the we opposite. Might, <laughs> we might as well just do this uh, interview together. Yeah, we might as well just do with it with both of you guys. So, uh, just to talk about this defense right now. I mean, uh, you guys came into this season with uh, a lot of hype uh, and uh, a lot of people talking about you guys, but, you know, the last couple of games just uh, haven't quite gone that way. Is it? Should people be concerned about this defense? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hype around us. You know, last year is last year. We, we booked that. Um, we try not to look around last year and our accomplishments from the past. So we just try to get back to playing Wyoming football defense. So, nah, they shouldn't be worried at all. We just try to get back to what we do best. And what is that? I mean, making plays, turning the ball over, you know, getting the ball back. You know, everything's good, but um, getting the 
you know, keeping points off the board, but trying to put our offense in a better position to score is, is our main goal. And that's the one thing, I guess, that last year there's a lot of turnovers, just don't seem to be uh, creating turnovers as much. Is, is that just kind of a turnovers are, a, you know, an opportunity thing? You guys can create that? To talk a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, we just, you know, we feed off the offense, offense feeds off of us, so uh, it's never a one-sided kind of game. You know, we just try to put each other in, in the best spots that we can, including the kicking game, too. So, uh, yeah, but specifically on turnovers, uh, we just got to create those. That's, you know, that's the job of our defense. That's, that's you know, whatever we led to the, the NCAA and turnovers last year. But uh, we just try to get the ball out. That's all. Just try to get the ball out. What's it like playing with your hand in the cast and having a big club? I mean, does it limit what you can do? Uh, not really. No, there's, there's just really no difference with the club size. You know, I can't really grab, but. There's, there's a really no difference in me playing with the club on. It's not like you're going up and, ke- and picking balls out of the air, right? Yeah, no, not with the club. I, <laughs> definitely not with the ball. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I can still do it, but uh, we'll see. I'll, I guess I have to do everything one-handed now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Odell Beckham. Now, I've heard that uh, you're kind of uh, – people. we talk to guys, say, you know, who's maybe the funniest guy, biggest joker on the team? Your name always seems to get brought up with that. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? I just try to keep, you know, the team light. You know, everyone's always all worked up, serious. So I just try to, you know, keep everyone in the light mood. You know, uh, Coach Bo always preaches you can't work football. You got to play football. So try to go out there and remember that, you know, football is fun. So that Boise State game, I mean, uh, that that one's that's got to sting a little bit. I mean, that was uh, they were picked one, you guys were picked two coming into this one, and just I mean, Coach Bull said that might be the best Boise State team he's seen. Is that the best team that Boise State team you've seen since you've been here? Uh. Apparently, Nico doesn't agree, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that was a good offense, you know. That, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, they, we did play Jay Ajayi our freshman year. Obviously, me and Nico redshirted, but Jay Ajayi is definitely a really good back. But, you know, that, that's no shade to Alexander Madison. Madison, can, he can run the ball. He's definitely a good player. So about Hawaii, I mean, just talk about this trip, uh, the long flight going back, going over to Hawaii. Obviously, it poses some logistical problems. You know, what, what kind of problems does going to Hawaii cause? Uh, I think the biggest is the time change. You know, they're four hours behind us, and uh, just us, I, you know, our body clocks will be a little messed up, but we just try to get it back on track. Uh, we can't really worry about things like those. Just try to go out there and win a ball game. Offensively, this is a team that's putting up a lot of numbers. I mean, uh, how do you slow this team down? That's a great offense. I think um, just getting to the quarterback is, you know, once you win up front, I mean, there's not much offenses can do if you, if you win up front. You're making plays up front. The whole defense doesn't work without the D-line. So trying to get our defensive line back on track, you know, making plays, sagging the quarterback, even just hitting the quarterback, throwing off his timing. That's, that's where, you know, a lot of our main goal is just to get a quarterback. So talk about that. I mean, not getting to the quarterback. I mean, you've got, you know, Carl, you, you've got Johanna. Just the pressure doesn't seem to be getting there. Are they just, are, is offenses doing anything to slow you guys down? Uh, you know, there's a lot of quick throws here and there, but, you know, no excuses on, our, on the five steps, three steps. we got to get home, play actions. we got to get home. That's just um, – I, I know last year, you know, it might have been a surprise for Jan and Carl to, you know, come out. But now, you know, everyone's expecting us to get to the quarterback now. So I'm, I'm sure those those all lines are pretty locked into our premier pass rushes. Nico's rolling his eyes back here at you, kind of going <laughs> like this. I mean, what is the relationship between the offense and the defense? I mean, you guys have your own meetings, your own rooms. What is the relationship between offense and defense? I mean, we're all one big team. You know, I mean, offense can't work without defense. Defense can't work without offense. And, uh... 
you know, we're, we're, we're all one big team. You know, everyone gets along with everyone, so there's there's no separation between us. Yeah. All right, Sid, we certainly appreciate you visiting. Danico, slide in here. I'm not going to let you. Uh... All right, all right. I don't even like Nico, if you want to put that on you the record. Even no, even we're like not me. even friends. So. On the record, I hate it. <laughs> so just talk about, I mean, the relations. I mean, you guys are obviously joking around, and and you have a good time. What is the relationship with the the, the relationship with this team you know on the field we compete and you know we're gonna get into into it a few times but you know at the end of the day we get off the field we know we still one team we one family so you know we don't let the arguments and all the fights on the field get you know that's just football you know we get back in the locker room we're all brothers so I've heard people say that he's one of the, the pranksters, jokesters on the team. Is, is that is that true? Is he the number one guy? Definitely not. I don't even think he's funny. Nah, <laughs> nah, <laughs> <laughs> is one of the more funny guys on the team. You know, I, I would know that firsthand because he was my roommate freshman year. Yeah. And so, you know, it, everything's a big old joke to him, <laughs> except so, when it's game day. So tell us something about Sid as you were roomed with him that uh, people might not know. Um. He never stopped singing. Sid, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us something about Nico that uh, people might not know. Um, he's actually not as strong as he looks. <laughs> no, no. Uh, something about Nico. Well, uh, Nico brushes his teeth way too much. Uh, you know, the recommended is two times a day, uh, but I'm pretty sure he brushes like every 45 minutes. <laughs> As you mentioned, he's not as strong as he looks. He pulls up his sleeve so he can show you his gun there just a little no, bit. Nico is very strong. He's very, very strong. So fresh breath, a priority, obviously, for you, Nico? I always got to have a fresh breath. <laughs> That's just people's first impression. You say one word to them, they smell minty freshness. <laughs> Talk about coming back after the injury. Um, you know, uh, you got the ribs as a running back. I mean, obviously, <laughs> that's a key pot. You're going to get hit there. What was your biggest concern coming back? You know, uh, I didn't take a hit during practice. I never take it a real hit. Cause I, so that was kind of my biggest, biggest concern. I didn't know how that was going to feel to get tackled. So when I had that first run, that was kind of in the back of my head. Like, okay, I hope this doesn't hurt too much. But after that first hit, I was good to go. Now that I knew my ribs can hold up, I was ready to play. What was the hardest part about sitting back those two games and, and watching what was going on? Knowing that there was nothing I could do to help win this game, like physically, knowing that all I had to do was be on the sideline and kind of yell, try to get the team going. But knowing that I couldn't go out there and make a play was probably the hardest part. You know, the guys that were running, they're young guys. You're a senior. I mean, uh, did you try coaching them up? Did you? I mean, what can you do to help those guys? Yeah, after every offensive possession, I'd kind of talk to them and tell them, ask them what they saw, tell them what I saw, and see what we can do next drive. Now, when you saw that hole open up to start the third quarter, uh, and you, I, I was joking around with you after the game, I said, where'd that burst come from? You yeah. go, man, I've always had that burst. That, that, I mean, you hit that hole and you were gone. Just talk about that whole scenario. <laughs> <laughs> no, first and foremost, shout out to the O-line. They made a huge hole backside for me. And so when I saw that uh, hole opened up, I knew, like, I had to hit. I had to score here if we had any chance of winning this game. And so I just hit it as fast as I could. And, you know, <laughs> good thing nobody caught me. <laughs> now, going to Hawaii poses some challenges, obviously. What uh, might be one of the biggest concerns going to Hawaii? Yeah, kind of like Sid said, uh, the time change is going to be huge. So we have to get our bodies adjusted to that. 
And, you know, I think this team has matured enough to the point where we know why we're there. We're there for business, so I don't see Hawaii being too much of a distraction for us. So the main thing is probably just our body clocks. So from what you've seen on film so far, what does Hawaii do defensively? You know, uh, they're real physical, as they always are. You know, Hawaii has a, usually a bunch of big dudes who like to bull rush. So in the, in the past game, that's going to be something that we need to work on. Last week, I saw you come in here with the Dodgers hat on. Now, Rockies and Dodgers having that one-game playoff. Uh, you you big Dodgers fan being from the L.A. area? Yeah, I'm L.A. everything, man. There's <laughs> Lakers, Dodgers. We got the Rams now. So anything L.A., I'll, I'm there to support. Oh, well, are there any Rockies fans other than probably the media guys that are sitting in the area here on the team? Uh, like a bunch of Rockies, <laughs> Cooper, all, you know, all those guys from Colorado. There's so many of them. A little smack talk going on between you guys now during this uh, this this race? I'll start that off today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it was a pleasure visiting with you. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. So good to chat with uh, Nico Evans and uh, Sid for the Cowboys. Cowboys will have their work cut out for them this week as they head to Hawaii, the islands, to take on the Hawaii Rainbows. Hawaii, probably, in my opinion, the biggest uh, surprise of the Mountain West season so far, Rainbows a five and one on the season, two and one. Or the Rainbows a five and zero oh on the season, two and zero oh in Mountain West play. Their Mountain West wins over Colorado State and San Jose State. Their win over San Jose State had to go to five overtimes to uh, beat the Spartans. But you know what? It's a win. It's a Mountain West win. You can say what you want about San Jose State, uh, their level of their program right now, going over to the Hawaiian Islands and uh, getting a win and forcing, uh, you know, Hawaii to five overtimes is a you know a huge accomplishment in itself. Um, you know, just asked Wyoming what it was like uh, to lose to San Jose State last year at the end of the season without Josh Allen. It stings. Hawaii didn't feel that loss. They went to five overtimes and they picked up the win. Now this uh, Rainbow team also is uh, putting up absolutely huge numbers uh, offensively they are averaging almost 500 yards a game on the flip side of that they're giving up uh, three 438 yards their quarterback Cole McDonald absolutely just uh, shredding it through the air he's thrown for 2,100 yards so far 24 touchdowns put that in perspective with the Wyoming offense right now and what we're seeing out of the Wyoming offense as far as production goes for the Cowboys to go to Hawaii they are going to they have to get the offense going defensively I don't know if the Cowboys will be able to shut down this Hawaii offense uh, like they did a Wofford or like they did a New Mexico State Hawaii is going to put points up the Cowboys offense is going to have to go out to the islands and put points up and uh, you know the secondary uh, we saw against uh, Washington State we saw against uh, Missouri also saw it against Boise State the Cowboys secondary is prone to giving up some yards and the Cowboys must get off the field on third downs when they do get Hawaii into a situation where they're third down, third and long, third and mid, they have to be able to get off the field. That's something that they did not do against Boise State. Boise State was able to convert third down after third down after third down and keep that Cowboy defense out on the field and wear down that Cowboy defense. You know, like uh, Trevor and I were talking, a lot of has been said about the lack of production from the Cowboy offense, the lack of scoring, the lack of moving the ball, the lack of sustaining drives. The Cowboys' defense has been not only giving up some points and giving up drives, they've been giving up some long drives. And a lot of that 
you know, there's third downs on those drives. They just haven't been able to get off the field. If they can get off the field, they can give themselves a break and get the Cowboy offense on the field, and maybe that Cowboy offense would get out there and convert some uh, first downs and sustain some drives and give that defense a little bit of a rest. So that is going to be a huge key for the Cowboys in this one, is getting off the field on third down against this prolific offense against uh, Hawaii. Hawaii is going to put up points. There's no question about that. And the Cowboy defense is going to have to rise to the challenge and get off the field. Now the Cowboy offense also has to rise to the challenge. When you're playing a team that puts points up on the board like Hawaii does offensively, the Cowboys are going to have to score. You can't. They cannot be having as many three and outs as they possibly have, and also you know two for eleven on third down. When they are facing a third down, they have to convert a lot more of those. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see the Cowboys. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see uh, how things transpire in the islands between the Cowboys and Hawaii. It's never easy for the Cowboys when they travel out to Hawaii. Now, switch gears from Cowboy football to another uh, sport at UW, a sport that having some good early season success. That is uh, Wyoming uh, Cowboy Cross Country. Cowboy Cross Country team uh, coming back from the Notre Dame Invitational. They finished second as a team. Cowboys uh, finished ahead of uh, two nationally ranked squads in that one and uh, Paul Roberts the junior transfer from CSU Pueblo uh, he's having a fantastic start to his cowboy career he won the Wyoming Invitational in his first race as a cowboy and uh, he placed third overall at the Notre Dame Invitational I believe there are about 140 runners in that event and uh, he's just having an outstanding start to his cowboy uh, career I did have a chance to speak with uh, Paul Roberts and uh, Scott Dahlberg the second year cross country and a men's distance coach for Wyoming at track and field about their performance out at Notre Dame and what's on tap for the Cowboy cross-country team. So I'm here, Paul Roberts and Scott Dahlberg. First of all, Paul, thanks for taking some time out of your day and visiting with us. We certainly do appreciate it. So how are you doing? Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I'm doing well. Just uh, getting back into the swing of things in the week and getting home from traveling and stuff. Yeah, nothing crazy, but doing well. Yeah, well, you, you, we'll talk about uh, your week that you had out at Notre Dame and just your early season so far, which has gone outstanding. But uh, you're a transfer. You came to Wyoming uh, from CSU Pueblo. Uh, you're from Lyons, Colorado. So just talk a little bit about uh, you know going to CSU Pueblo to begin with, a Division II school, and then leaving there, taking the step up, and uh, and coming to Division One. What brought about that change? Um, so I went to, D- to CSU Pueblo mostly because my sister was there, and um, I really liked the coach and the team at the time. And then uh, this last year, I just had some conflicting views with the coach down there, so I decided uh, I'd try to make a transfer. So um, I contacted Wyoming, and obviously Coach Dahlberg and Coach Berryhill were excited to have me, which was which was awesome to be welcomed in. Um, so I'm just excited to be running against some, some other solid guys. Obviously, D2 is really good, but D1's a little bit deeper and. Um, just excited to be on this team, and it's been really fun so far. That was what I was going to ask you. What's the biggest difference between running at Division Two and Division One? Um, I think overall, it's just the the level of competition. Obviously, those D two guys. There's a lot of there's some solid guys, but it's just not quite as deep. There's there's one guy in D two for every ten in D one. I would say a lot of times, and so it's just the level of competition and the size of the pack is just helps you to keep improving and have that little bit extra motivation. 
Well, you're off to a, a real good start for your Cowboy career. Uh, rankings just came out. You're ranked 24th nationally in uh, you know, flow track. You're coming off a great performance at the Notre Dame Inva- Invitational, finishing third overall, the team finishing second overall. And uh, you won your first ever race as a Cowboy at the Wyoming Invitational. Uh, you know, do, do you expect to have this great start, Paul? Um, honestly, coming in, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew Coach Dahlberg um, really has a good handle on what he's doing. Um, I didn't really know how it would fit into the team, though, and what the whole team looked like. So it's been actually uh, kind of a pleasant surprise. I mean, obviously, I'd like to be the number one guy on the team, but at the end of the day, I just want our team to do well. So, um, yeah, just how our team performed at the first couple meets was very encouraging. Beating the number 28 team at the last meet was really exciting. So, um, yeah, me as having success as an individual has been really cool, and I've like really enjoyed that, and I think the training's been really paying off, but mostly just the team has been awesome, so... Talk about training. What do you? How do you train at altitude? From what I understand, you know, uh, training at altitude kind of beneficial for distance runners. How do you train at altitude here, Paul? Um, I mean, I guess I've just kind of grown up at altitude in Colorado. This is obviously a little higher up, 2,000 feet up, but um, I think it's just important to recover. Coach Dahlberg always talks about that. It's the recovery days that are important. But, um, yeah, definitely you get a little bit more from those workouts and Sometimes you got to run a little faster than you'd want to at altitude just so you're ready to turn over when you go down to sea level. But um, honestly, the training's not that much different, but I think we definitely do have an advantage when you go run against some of those guys, especially in the eight longer races like the 8K and the 10K. So. so you won the Wyoming Invitational, the first uh, your first race out. Were you aware that that was you know, like the first cross-country home meet or race that uh, UW has had in, in years? Um, yeah, it was. We we talked about it a little bit. I always went to the CSU one it was that same weekend um, when I was at Pueblo, actually. So when it was in Wyoming, that was, that was really cool. The whole family came up and watched right off I-25. So I think it was really awesome having a home meet here for the first time in a while. A lot of fans that I didn't really realize that there was such a big fan base in Wyoming that came out and supported us. So. Talk about that Notre Dame Invitational. You guys placed third overall, or you placed third overall, and uh, second as a team. When you guys go to a big meet like that one with uh, the number of runners, do you do you try to run together, or you try to run as individuals? How how do you work? The, is there a team aspect to this, or is it just every man for himself? <laughs> um, definitely a team aspect. So, I mean, in our workouts, obviously, we work together, and that's honestly what Coach preaches is right before the race he told, uh, especially me and Chris, but uh, all the guys on the team, just run like you guys do in the workouts, help each other out, work together. And I mean, obviously you're not saying like talking to the person the whole race, but you look at your teammate and you get some confidence from them and they get some confidence from you. And um, we were rolling together for the first couple of miles and then me and Chris were right together for the whole race. So just seeing your teammate up there gives you a lot of confidence and no, we're definitely not running for ourselves. We're running for each other, and that really um, gives you that extra push at the end of the race when it starts to hurt. So. so when you're training, you're running all these distances, what are you thinking about? I mean, you got a lot of time to think out there. You're listening to, to music. What are you doing when you're out there running? Um, honestly, I've kind of said if I ever listen to music when I run, I should might as well just quit running. <laughs> um, I, I kind of enjoy the, the nature and everything around. Um but we just we talk as a team, have some good old jokes and conversations, and sometimes just kind of run along and enjoy the nature. But I feel like there's always somebody somebody with a good good argument or a good talk or a good joke going around. So um, honestly, it, it seems like we're out there for a really long time. But 
at the end of the day, like the runs don't take that long just because it's such a good crowd to run with. So you guys are actually out there joking around and, and having fun while you're out there running. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially on the easy days. Workouts, you got to focus a little bit more. But, yeah, no, those easy days, we're, we're having a good time. And obviously you got to make sure you stay good for them and everything. But, no, it's it's not as quite as boring as everybody puts it out to be. So so what, you, you said you'd quit running if you threw the uh, the, the earbuds in and were listening to music. Why Why is that? Um, I don't know. I think that's just kind of been a thing I had. I, I just I think that running is really cool because we can go out and explore na- nature and God's creation. And it's always uh, I don't know. I think if I I think if I had music in, it just kind of defeat the purpose of, of why I run and why I spend time with the, the guys I'm running with. So. Do you do anything else? Do you, what other interests do you have? Um, I mean, I have grown up in a in a really big family, so we do a lot of sports. That's kind of just a sports family. We'll play frisbee and football and basketball and lots of cousins. So whenever we come over, we always have some sort of game in those. But I love hiking, camping, um, and all. so, yeah, some, cool. just more the outdoor stuff and the sporting kind of stuff is what I like to do. A lot of times those family uh, gatherings start off frisbee, football, whatever, start off with the best intentions to have fun, but they get a little bit intense towards the end, maybe a little bit of talking going along. Is that how it ends up with uh, your family? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's a lot of smack talking. Yep. No, 100% lots of smack talking, lots of fun, and sometimes it ends in a good old-fashioned argument, but usually we're, we're good friends at the end of the game. So, so how's, no, how, how, would you, how would you grade your smack talk? Um, when I'm playing with my family, it's pretty high, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, we, we definitely mess around a lot, and so, I mean, definitely in running, it, it's a little bit more serious and things, but... When I when I'm playing sports outside of running, yeah, we 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 smack talk each other quite a bit. I was actually talking to Chris the other day about it, and we yeah we were laughing how much we smack talk each other when we're playing ping pong and stuff like that. That's pretty funny. So the great performance uh, out at uh, Notre Dame, finishing uh, second as a team, heading out to Madison, Wisconsin next uh, for uh, you know the pre nationals. So how do you build on this uh, this success that you had at Notre Dame and that you had at the Wyoming Invitational? Um, I mean, I think we just keep doing what we're doing and coaches are preaching that. There's, it's one meet in the season, and so we came back on Saturday and we got our long run in and we obviously recovered, but we're just um, on to the next meet just like we have and trying to improve every single day. I think that's been the goal of this season. And obviously, we have bigger goals at the end of the season, but to just make sure we're improving every day, staying healthy and um, always getting better. So, I mean, I, I'm really happy with how our team did, and I'm also happy with a big PR, but I think we all want to PR by more at the next race and also kind of show the nation that we should be ranked in the top 30 and have give ourselves a chance to go to nationals. So. How, how long is the recovery time? What is that process like? Um, honestly, it's, it just kind of depends. Coach does a good job of giving us the right runs and the right workouts, but like by, by now I'm plenty recovered from the race by um, – you're a little bit tired the day after, and then obviously a couple of days after you're a little bit sore, but it's just kind of the slow process of getting your body back to kind of the 100% mark until you're ready for the next workout. But I'd say after two or three days, you're pretty much back to normal as long as you're careful and take care of yourself. Now, the, I mentioned it came out in flow track. You're ranked 24th nationally. That's the highest, uh, you're ranked highest, the highest Mountain West athlete in those rankings. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously quite an honor. No, it's definitely it's definitely an honor. I mean, I try not to look too much at at those boards, but yeah, actually, my teammate Chris texted me today. He's like, "Hey, you're ranked number 24th. That's really awesome." 
I was like, yeah, thanks. I mean, so, no, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say that was, that kind of made my heart jump out. It made me happy. But at the end of the day, um, those are rankings. And so I'll, I'll take it with a grain of salt and just kind of keep training and making sure that I can actually do do that at the end of the year and compete with those guys in the top 25 in the nation. So, no, I'm really excited. And, and that was really cool, and especially to have Chris and Dan and Harry up there also. Um, I know they're definitely going to move up as the season goes. So I'm just excited about um, what what the rest of the season holds and how far we can move up by by the time regionals and nationals come around. All right, Paul, congratulations on the great start and to your national ranking, and certainly appreciate you taking some time and sharing a, a visit with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. So now visiting with uh, Scott Dahlberg in his second year as the uh, cross-country and men's distance coach uh, for Wyoming Track and Field. Coach, uh, thanks for taking some time and visiting with us. We certainly do appreciate it. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. We just visited uh, with Paul Roberts, uh, the transfer, the junior from uh, CSU Pueblo, who uh, you know has uh, had an outstanding start to the cross-country season for the Wyoming Cowboys. Could you just uh, tell us a little bit about how you got how he ended up at Wyoming? I mean, he came in with. Uh, it appears that he came in with a you know a lot of a uh, lot of uh, credentials from uh, CSU Pueblo and high school out of Lyons, Colorado. How did he end up at Wyoming? Yeah, um, yeah. Paul's running fantastic right now. I mean, almost. Yeah, just the start of the season has you know kind of been a good uh, you know indication of I think some good things that could happen the rest of the year but um as far as how he got here um when i was coaching down at uh csu Colorado state i had recruited him pretty heavily down there um and then at the time he he chose csu pueblo which uh i was pretty bummed about but um you know fast forward a couple of years and you know i think back in june got an email with a you know release from csu pueblo and a permission to contact and it was for him and i was uh yeah it was pretty surprised but also uh, thrilled so called him up and we had some good conversations and uh ended up we could work him out to get him up to wyoming and uh, yeah, he's just been a, a pleasure to work with and has uh, contributed in many ways now and i know you can't recruit or go after other kids that have signed done things but you, you mentioned you were kind of disappointed you recruited him when you were at csu uh, do you kind of keep an eye on guys that you're highly after that might go somewhere else just to see how their careers are going like paul was doing you know, I mean, sometimes you you might just, uh, you know, watch someone's career and just keep an eye on them. You know, I think Paul and I had developed somewhat of a rapport just through the recruiting process, and so I always rooted for him, but, um, you know, never thought that, you know, there would be any time that he would transfer or, you know, that thought didn't cross my mind. It was more just, uh, you know, watching him, and, you know, obviously he, he went to a school that he thought was the best fit for him at the time, and, you know, had some various reasons for that that was totally understandable and uh like i said it was more just you know anytime you recruit someone and they choose another place it's uh you know yeah you, you always want them to come to your school initially but um but yeah you know just kind of watch his career down at csu pueblo um and if i saw him at a meet i'd just say hi or whatnot but there's never any kind of you know recruiting or anything going on it was more just uh you know a friendly hello between you know two people that had uh, spent some time you know getting to know each other through the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to pander to the Wyoming crowd because that's who's listening to this podcast. How much better is Wyoming than CSU? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I love Wyoming. I love Wyoming. It's been a great transition um, in a lot of ways. The community here has been fantastic. The support from administration and from 
you know, just the, the general population. I mean, it's been, it's been great. So no, I, uh, I've absolutely loved the transition. That's for sure. Okay. Well, endear yourself to the base. That's what you got to do coach. So coach, <laughs> talk about the start for this cross country team. Uh, you know, they did well at the, the Wyoming invitational and, uh, last week, uh, placing a second as a team out at the Notre Dame invitational, uh, mm-hmm. off to a pretty good start, correct? Absolutely. You know, uh, that first meet out in Cheyenne, you know, it was a, a smaller meet, you know, not as many teams, um, you know, teams like CU, who, you know, CU is a great team. They didn't run, you know, four All-Americans at that meet. So, you know, we, we knew that we were up against some good competition and, you know, Air Force and CSU, and they ran, you know, some teams that were mostly full strength. You know, they sat a couple guys as well, but um, individually, you know, we knew, we knew who they were sitting and we also knew who they were running. And so we felt like it was a really good start um, as far as, you know, how some of the guys, you know, progressed this summer. Um, and then going into Notre Dame, we pretty much put our sights on um, trying to beat as many teams as we could and uh, aiming at second place, which kind of sounds weird, but, you know, BYU is number two in the nation. Um, they're a fantastic team. We knew that uh, that was a pretty pretty tall task that we weren't even you know, trying to go for, but we thought if we could beat the number 28 Furman team, we thought Notre Dame had a pretty good squad. Uh, a few other teams out there, Cal Berkeley and other teams that we thought had some potential. We decided if we could beat as many of those teams as possible, we'd put ourselves in a, you know, a pretty good conversation as far as getting some potential at large points and maybe putting ourselves in a conversation for, you know, running at the national meet in November. And, uh, you know, all the guys bought in, they, you know, showed up to the meet with, you know, just enough amount of confidence and, they had uh, put in a tremendous amount of work between that Cheyenne meet and Notre Dame. Uh, I think they fed off each other real well. They um, kind of ran as a group to start with and then broke off into kind of smaller groups to, you know, push themselves to their own limits. And, you know, they, they walked away with that second place that uh, we were kind of open for. So, um, you know, regardless, we're just being immersed in the process and looking forward to, you know, the pre-national meet here in two weeks where, you know, we'll get another really good test with some very good teams that, you know, if we, we beat enough of those good teams that are going to nationals, then, you know, we're hoping we can get some more at large points and, uh, you know, find our way to, you know, a couple 10Ks there later in November. And you talked about, uh, you know, running together and then breaking apart. Is that something that, uh, you know, when you, you get to a meet, a little bit of strategy, a little bit of planning, say, okay, we just need to stay together, run as a team here to begin with, and then, and then see what happens. Do you, do you plan for that? You know, within reason, you do. Um, obviously, we're not going to have, you know, seven guys, you know, arm in arm the whole, the whole race because then, you know, some guys aren't going to get enough out of it. But, you know, trying to feed off each other, if nothing else, um, you know, a few guys that, that train real well together that, you know, kind of are looking to finish around the same place, they can kind of use each other. You know, I think, you know, Paul and Chris, as, a, as an example, um, you when there was a breakaway pack with, you know, the BYU guys and I think the guy from Furman and from Cal Berkeley, um, when they when they broke away, Paul and Chris just fed off each other and, you know, as the, as it progressed over, you know, the, the course of the race, um, it it strung out a little bit even within that breakaway pack, but um, I think, you know, they, they used each other and then when Paul felt like he you know, had a little bit more to give. He he pushed it with probably, you know, a little over maybe half a mile to go and, you know, those BYU guys end up trying to chase him and then Chris was chasing, you know, those guys and, you know, everyone I think ended up probably running a little bit better just as a result of that, you know, trying to trying to use each other and, you know, you know you know the guys you train with and you know where uh, where you feel like you should be, um, as a result of that. How high can the Wyoming cross country team go, coach? You know, I think right now we're we're a team that 
to make it to the national meet. Um, I think the last team that made it was 1986, um, you know, here. And, uh, you know, right now we just have to keep taking care of business, you know, with the, the region that we're in is so strong. You know, there's nine regions. Um, and last year our region sent seven teams out of the 31 to the national meet. Um, you know, this year it's very strong again. You know, we have, let's see, we have, you know, six teams out of our region that are ranked in the top 15 in the nation currently just came out today. And, um, you know, we think we can be in the conversation of being in that mix of, you know, putting ourselves like in a spot of, you know, being, you know, a seventh team, you know, maybe if we, you know, run well, you know, nick a few more teams after that if we have a right day but um yeah i think we're right now in a spot where we can make it to a national championship if we just keep doing what we're doing nothing's uh nothing's given for sure but um you know if we stay healthy and consistent then uh definitely uh realistic well flow track rankings came out uh, paul who had just talked to 24th nationally uh he's mentioned chris you mentioned christopher henry from laramie he's uh 89th mm-hmm. uh harry uh, ewing is uh 171 and daniel hines is 204 thing about that mm-hmm. is you know it's great to have those guys there coach these are all juniors uh so yeah. i mean you they still have another year in this program i mean future right. looks pretty good yeah you know we are we're excited and i'll tell you what the culture right now is awesome these guys are just supporting each other, they're rooting for each other. You know, if they have a bad day, they're excited. If their teammates have a good day, uh, you know, day in and day out, they're they're pushing each other to be as good as they can be. I mean, you know, it's all about trying to, you know, get into that race and push that pain threshold as much as you can. And you know, when you have your team supporting you, it makes it you know a little bit more doable. Um, but yeah, they're just doing a great job. Uh, yeah, they're hungry right now. They're hungry, um, and they have the right amount of. I think humility and gratefulness in the whole thing, but then also, you know, starting to grow some confidence, which I think is a nice recipe for where we want to be. Coach, I want to thank you for taking some time visiting with us. The future looks very bright for Wyoming cross country, and uh, you know you're going to be uh, right at the heart of this. So, thanks for visiting with us today. Certainly appreciate it. Hey, well, yeah, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Certainly want to thank uh, Paul Roberts and uh, Coach Dahlberg for joining us as the Cowboy cross-country team. Still, there was another uh, kind of mid-season poll that came out, and the Cowboy cross-country team uh, picked uh, right where they were kind of at the beginning, really no movement up or down in that. So the Cowboy cross-country team looking to make uh, some big strides this week and uh, this year um, with the depth of this team and uh, some of the runners that they have. I certainly would like to thank you for taking some time out of your day and uh, listening uh, to the YO cast. We certainly do appreciate Appreciate it again, as always. If you do have any questions or comments, uh, suggestions for that matter for the Wildcast, uh, certainly uh, open to any criticisms or comments uh, that you may have. You can tweet me at rmonico o on Twitter, or uh, you can email me rmonico at kfbcradio.com. Those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. You can also hey just go to Facebook if you feel like it as well. I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find, and uh, you can uh, direct message me there, or you can put some suggestions on my page and certainly want to thank tim harkins and nick siemens and the wyoming sports information office and all the sports information directors over there for their help in arranging interviews and getting people to talk to and also kyle lathrop for his help with the Wildcast as well and a special thanks to trevor jackson from sheridan media for coming in and joining us this week on the Wildcast. always a pleasure visiting with trevor that's going to do it for the Wildcast for this week as always the world needs more cowboys You've been listening to the Wyocast with Reese Monaco. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.